Michigan unbeaten no more. Piling on now is Iowa as they crack the 50 mark against the mighty Buckeyes. But when his number was called, seven got six. What's up and welcome to Spoko Radio. I'm your host DC. With me as always is Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, what's going on? I'm in a mood and the last person I want to be kind of picked on tonight is the people's champ. So we'll see how this one goes. We are all back together for the first time in a few weeks. And also with us, it's the people's champ, David Johnson champ. How are you? I am great, unlike pissy Jerry over here who <laughs> the pre-show didn't want to speak. And now all of a sudden he's going to get loud to start the show. So this could be an enter. And I noticed he's wearing a lovely Iowa hoodie that he wanted me literally to buy him the exact same hoodie that this weekend. It makes no sense, but it's fine. And we are off to a roaring start of criticizing what we are wearing while recording a podcast. Guys, we are Black- we are SB Nation's home for the Iowa Hawkeyes at Blackheart Gold Pants. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. Make sure you guys are subscribing to the podcast feed, telling a friend, to also then tell one of their friends, keep this train moving. And then they can tell their friend. Exactly. And we can all be friends. Exactly. We can jump on the train together. Uh, And yeah, we'll just keep this going. We love to talk to you guys all on Twitter, so make sure you're following us there and interacting with us on that platform. But to kick the show off this week, guys, with our outside zone, I saw this on Twitter for a question for the On Iowa pod, guys, uh, and I'm going to steal it because I really like the question, but I'm going to tweak it a little bit. The question is, over under the rest of the way for the men's Iowa hoops team, over under four and a half wins the remaining of the schedule. Would you guys like to hear the schedule before you make your prediction? Please. Okay. The qu- we start off, obviously, this we're recording this Wednesday night before Thursday's game versus Indiana at Indiana. Then we go to Minnesota. Then we have Ohio State in Carver Hawkeye Arena at Michigan State versus Penn State versus Purdue and at Illinois. So, Jerry, why don't you kick this off? Over under four and a half wins. So we have two, three. There's three home games. Correct. So I'm going to go ahead and take all three of those because I really uh, – Champ and I kind of talked about this. I don't know if it was a week ago or, or two weeks ago at this point, but I do think that Iowa is going to stay undefeated – or not undefeated, but they're going to continue the streak of wins at home. So I'm going to take those three games, and I think that they are going – they'll be able to beat Indiana and they'll be able to beat Minnesota. So I'm taking the over here. I think there's going to be a game or two where maybe Michigan State runs us out of the gym, maybe Illinois gets a revenge, but I think the – the number is the right number, but I'm taking slight over. Okay. Champ, what do you think? I am also taking the over. I have Iowa winning out. Jerry last week did say they were going to lose to Penn State at home and said they would beat Purdue. So how did that prediction turn out for you there? Jerome, they got stomped by 36, but that's okay. Uh, I think they win five of their next seven games. They went out at home. They beat Indiana tomorrow night and they i say they beat illinois uh to close the season i think their two losses are at minnesota and at michigan state this question originally on twitter was over under three and a half wins basically saying will they win basically asking if you're gonna go over they're gonna win one of these road games so i tweaked it because i know you guys are both optimistic 
as all get out on the Iowa Hawkeye men's basketball team. So I had to give you an extra win to, to clear there. But I'm with you. I kind of like the chances of going over the four and a half, getting to five. I think out of the four road games, they can win two of those. I, I'm, I feel pretty good at going the road at Indiana. And I think it might come on the road at the end of the year against Illinois. Yeah, I, I like those, it, D.C., baby. Those are the games I think they're going to win. I think I'm with you guys. I think they're going to take care of business at home. But uh, it's it's nice to be in middle of February and have games that truly matter for the Iowa Hawkeye men's basketball team with no sign of really letting up. No real collapse se- seemingly coming on the horizon. 100%. And I think t- tonight's going to show big – it's going to be a big test for what Iowa's going to do to finish the rest of the season. I wasn't too impressed with Indiana this weekend. This is probably the second time I've actually sat down to watch them um, against Purdue. Uh, Purdue basically did what they did against Iowa in a game that was super emotional with the return of Bobby Knight. But as I was sitting there watching it, there was just no way in my mind that they were going to be able to stop Luca Garza. And if they do take everything that they have and they just surround him, Wheezy and CJ Frederick should just be able to have the night of their lives. So I really don't, I'm not too worried about them going into Indiana and losing this one, which is going to hopefully continue this nice streak that they're on. Jerry, what were your thoughts on uh, Bobby Knight coming back to IU? I, I honestly had tears in my eyes. And for all the people that on Twitter slammed me for doing that, you need to understand that my family grew up in Indiana. I have family members that went to Indiana. I've been to Indiana on multiple occasions. have not been to a basketball game, but I've been on campus. I've spent time there. Bobby Knight was a big part of the overall family aspect of our lives. When we would go to their houses, there was Indiana basketball games on. And granted, yes, I went to the University of Iowa. I I don't have any real ties. But for a coach of that type of stature to have the situation that happened to him get completely eliminated from the fan base, completely eliminated from the university, to then, after 20 years, come back with all of his former players crying and then him holding in tears while starting defense chants with the crowd? How can that not pump you up? I, I, I I don't disagree with you one bit. I, I was in Iowa City, so I didn't get to see the game uh, live. But, yeah, I, I don't know why people were ripping you on Twitter. The guy is a legend in Indiana. Yes, he's had some off-court issues and some on-court issues with some players. But that doesn't change the fact that he was an, an exceptional coach for the University of Indiana or Indiana University. And then, for like you said, to be gone for 20 years, to come back, have a bunch of his players come back to join him. Uh, it was just obviously you could tell, see the emotion on Bobby's face, on his players' faces, the crowd. I mean, it was an overall great night for Indiana hoops, except for the fact that they lost the game. But having Bob Knight come back was uh, a nice gesture on their part. Totally agree. We'll get back to basketball in a little bit, but it wouldn't be Spoko Radio unless we touched a little bit of Hawkeye football, as Jerry mentioned last week on the show. So why don't we get to it? Scott Doctor on the Athletic had a little had a story uh, interview with with or I, I guess I, I guess it wasn't Doctorman. There Barta did a press conference and there was questions about him and and Kirk Ferentz talking about the future and things of that nature. And uh, one of the questions Gary Barta was asked was, "Do you does he have a list of potential replacements for Kirk Ferentz when he decides to hang it up?" And he says he doesn't have that list. My first question to you guys is, "Do you believe Gary Barta doesn't have a list?" Jerry, we'll start with you. He doesn't have a list. If there is a list, it's a post-it note, and on that post-it note reads one name. Brian fucking Ferentz. Do you think that the middle left's in there? Do I think what? 
Do you think the middle F is in there? Oh, for sure. It's Gary Barta. This guy runs college football playoff now. It says Brian fucking Ferris. He doesn't run it. Let's, whoa. Let's, we don't want him to give him that much responsibility. He's just the guy that's going on ESPN to talk about the rankings. Champ, do you believe that Gary Barta doesn't have a list of replacements? I think he has a list of two people, and they're both currently on staff for the Iowa football team. So if, he, if you're asking me, does he have a list of potential names outside of Iowa football? No, I do not think so. I think his list consists of, as Jerry mentioned, Brian fucking Ferentz, and I think he has another name on that list, Phil fucking Parker as well. <laughs> so the two of them are his list, if you want to call that a list. But I don't. I think he, he pretty much has it in place that he's going to interview probably both of those guys, and whoever wants the job more is going to get it. It probably will be Brian Ferentz at that point. But, yeah, I don't think he's really looking outside of the walls of Iowa City for another head coach. So, Champ, let me ask you this. This is the other question I've written down. Is do you So, do you think Iowa will cast a wide net, or will they only focus on those two guys as candidates? No, I, th- I think it's going to be – it honestly, by the time Kirk retires, Phil might be of the age where he has no desire to be a head coach. I don't really know if he has a desire to be head coach now. So, I think it's pretty much just going to be handed to Brian Ferentz unless he somehow leaves for another job opening, which I don't see he, see him doing that. So, yeah, no, I don't think – I think it's going to be – I hate to make this comparison because I hate the Bulls right now, but I think it's going to be <laughs> very, very Bulls-like where they already have their guy in mind. They just bring him in, and he's their head coach. I know Jerry's going to love that reference. I mean, it's – I hate that reference, but it's it's what they did to make Brian the offensive coordinator. They didn't really – they didn't even do an interview after Greg Davis left. They just brought him right in, and a lot of people freaked out and started saying that it was wrong because it's the coach's son. And, yes, they had their reasons, and they're and they probably right. But if Brian's going to be the USC Brian for the remaining future with all this talent, I don't think any of those guys – I think all of them probably have shut their mouth by now. No, I mean, I think you guys are both right. I, I don't think that – I. Th- I think that there is a list somewhere. I think he has ideas. I think there's a list maybe in his head, maybe not written down. Because I do think he's going to be a little bit more coy about it in the sense that there's going to be that appearance of a wide net for the... I, it's, I get what you're saying, Jerry. Like when, when it was the OC time, it's kind of Kirk's call, right? Let him do what he, whoever he wants to kind of be put up in there. You have to follow, go through the motions of following their university rules for interviewing, but it's still going to be Brian France at the end of the day. The head coach spot, again, the first time in, what, over 30 years, 40 years, that there's going to be a new head coach in the University of Iowa whenever Kirk Ferentz decides to retire. I think there's going to be the appearance of an actual national search. I, I mean... Have you guys not been paying attention to the way that Gary Barter does things here? I don't think there's going to be any sort of exposure or them showing that they're trying to bring people in. Gary Barter doesn't give a shit. He's just going to hire whatever guy he wants. I he can, might. I he hasn't had a chance a... to hire the football coach, though. Here's the True. deal, though. Uh, Cham, not to cut you off, but I don't think this is going to happen because this time around, there isn't like a Bob Stoops that's sitting there to pluck off that everybody's going to assume that could bring a national championship to Iowa. Like, there's no Bob Stoops anymore that's going to be the savior. I mean, his brother Mark is doing a hell of a job recruiting in Kentucky. You really want Mark Stoops over just keeping a Ferentz name in? I'm sorry, I do not. (laughs) I'm just throwing out options, man. Outside of Brett Bielema, which has... uh, 
any sort of luster has gone away in, in, in hashtag Karmagate. Like, there's no savior anymore. So why not keep a Ferentz in there, a guy that's been brought up in this program. He played here. He's been raised here. He became the offensive coordinator here. He's worked under his father, and he gets to continue that name. I mean, that, that is the perfect scenario. There's no, there's nothing out there that is going to top that, in my opinion, unless Saban wants to come. Well, and that's a great, that's a great question. I didn't write down, but I want your thoughts on this, is I think the Iowa program in coaching circles has a certain level of like, oh, I can do a pretty good job here. So why would you just limit yourself to actually hearing out from other people who might even be interested in the job, who has, who have a good resume? Like Luke Fickle, take him for example, right? Yeah. He turned down Michigan State. Everyone, like Bruce Feldman's reported repeatedly that he's been looking at Big Ten jobs to, to, to justify him leaving Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So Michigan State's he had a chance, he didn't take it. I don't think he's going to go to Michigan. Ohio State, Ryan Day's not going anywhere. Paul Chris isn't going anywhere in Wisconsin. I mean, it's really Penn State if James Franklin were to leave. And oh, then I would, no. that would be to a spot where he would have to consider. Is that a guy who, if he back channel ways, let Gary Barr know he's interested in this job, is it worth interviewing him? Oh, 100% it is. I mean, Luke Fickle has done a hell of a job with Cincinnati. I would love to have him interviewed. But I, and Jerry's right. It comes down to the fact that they're going to want to keep the Ferentz name with Iowa. I mean, that's why they hired Brian Ferentz to be their offensive coordinator. It is to take over for Kirk one day if he had offensive success. And we believe he already showed some this year that he's going to continue to have that offensive success. And that is going to lead recruiting. him right, right into the recruiting or right into the head coaching job. And I wouldn't even be surprised within the next couple of years if he's named the coach in waiting, honestly. A la teams that have done this in the past. And they just – so they can't leave. They pretty much keep them in lock, and then they name them the head coach. I wouldn't be surprised at that at all. I mean, yeah. it's fair. Go ahead, Jar. Well, I was just going to bring up, not to just continue to toot Dr. Mintz horn, but he creates great content for Iowa media. When he wrote that piece about Bob Stoops and, Stoops and the Hayden Fry coaching tree and the Kirk Ferentz hire, the main piece that was the, the resounding, like – thesis to his article was how much Iowa wants it to be a family environment. This is a very important thing to them and the people that make these types of decisions. Obviously, it's not all Gary Barter's decision, but the people that they bring in, whether it's the president and some boosters and the people that they talk to, they want the Iowa family to continue to be the Iowa family. So those guys that have that Iowa tie are going to continue to be above guys like a Luke Fickle, uh, just because of their name brand, because of they know what happens here. They know what is going on in Iowa City. They know how to win here. They know how to recruit here. And they've been a part of that. It's totally fair. Let's end on this. Do you guys think one of the other questions that Gary Barry was asked was if him and Kirk Ferentz have discussed a year when Kirk walks away? Bar- Barta said no. Do you believe him? Champ, start with you. I do not. I think Kirk Ferentz knows when he wants to w- walk away. I think he's let Gary Barta know that. I think he's let the coaching staff know that. Hell, I think he's even let potential recruits know that uh, in the next few years that he's going to walk away and that don't worry, guys. Don't worry, players. Don't worry, coaches. It's not going to change much. My you know, my son's going to take over. Phil Parker's still going to be here. They're still going to have a lot of the same coaching staff. And I think, yes, he's definitely let Barta and other people know with you know that it's going to be within the next say five years. Jerry, do you think that they they know a date that they're targeting or a year they're targeting? 
I don't, and it's for the exact same reason that Champ just mentioned. I don't think Kirk's telling these kids that he's going to be leaving in the foreseeable future. I don't think coaches want to do that. That's the reason why Kirk's continued to get those extensions is so that when they go on the recruiting trail, he can tell them that he's not going anywhere, especially during those downtrodden seasons. Obviously, it hasn't happened of recently, and Iowa's played really great and exciting primetime games for these kids to watch. But I do believe that nobody else knows when Kirk's walking away except for maybe Brian and Mary Ferentz. And I think that's why you firmly believe that he's going to Bo Ryan himself out of this program when it's time to come. Hopefully Brian isn't Greg Gard. <laughs> God, I hope not. All right, guys. Well, as Champ said earlier in the show, he was in Iowa City last weekend for Iowa's game against Nebraska. And it made us think Champ needs to come up with his own segment here for the show moving forward. And so champ, I'm going to throw this to you, but we have decided to kick off champs pick six. Cause no one loves a top six list more than the people's champ himself champ. Explain to us what we're doing this week. So like DC said, I traveled uh, this weekend, to Iowa city for the beat down that Iowa gave Nebraska. So I thought what better way to start the champs pick six segment than by picking your top six, my top six, road trip snacks. Uh, <laughs> DC, would you like me to start? I think I want to start with six and go up to one. I'll just list them off, and then we guys can can discuss them. Maybe you guys have some opinions, and we'll go from there. Does that sound good, DC? Sounds fantastic, champ. All right, here we go. At the inaugural champ pick six. This is going to be a weekly segment. For everybody that's listening, I'll be changing up my uh, top six list, ranging from a lot of things. I already have an entire notebook compiled of pick six lists uh, when we came up with this idea this week. So the first one, road trip snacks. I will start with my number six. It's Skittles. I love Skittles. Nice little fruity snack on the road. I know you guys are probably thinking it's Skittles, like candy. I'm like, yeah, you got to have a little candy sometimes when you're on the road. Nice fruity Skittles. It doesn't, I know Jer's going to ask what kind. Honestly, it doesn't matter. I like the original okay. Skittles. I <laughs> okay. like the one in the purple bag. I like the sour Skittles. Any of those are good. Go ahead, Jerome. Which, which one are you asking about? Okay, so two questions. Actually, three now. Uh, I would rather you rank your Skittles options on a road trip. Two, are you the one driving in this scenario? Because Skittles, I feel like, are dangerous because you have to leave a little slot for you to actually bring them into your hand. It's a two-handed candy. You can't you, you can't really drive and do it at the same time unless you're a knee driver. It's which a isn't great very, point. Which isn't just very safe, so I'm a little worried about you being on the road eating Skittles. And I forgot my third, so... Uh, I'll start with your second question. So I rip a corner, a top corner of the Skittles, and I don't even use my hands. I take the Skittles packet, and I pour them with the one Animal. hand that is not driving <laughs> directly into my mouth. So yes, it can be done, and I do it mo very often. In fact, on this past trip, I had some Skittles, and that's so exactly what I did. I mean, no reason to use two hands, because I usually am the one driving on these road trips. And yes, uh, my top, I'll just go top two. I like the purple, uh, the tropical, tropical Skittles than the original. Those are my two favorites. Sour is better up. than tropical, but Sour's that's okay. Sour is my third. It's, it's good sometimes, but not great. It's great All right, all number five. This is not, you guys are going to say this is not technically a snack, but for me it is. Number five is Gatorade. 
on road trips. <laughs> what? You, you, I know. You're going to be like, you don't eat Gatorade. Top six the, beverages, maybe. But the amount of things that I need on a, on a, the snacks that, that I eat on road trips, you need to wash it down with something, and that is Gatorade. Also, coming back from Iowa City on Sunday, I was a little bit hungover. I hit the bars kind of hard in Iowa City, and I had to get pick up a couple Gatorades at the gas station before we head out at the local come and go, might I add. We just have discussed that in previous podcasts. So number five for me, Gatorade. Erroneous list. Wait, 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 wait. God, DC. Flavor of Gatorade is the obvious follow-up question. Uh, Glacier freeze I, only. I love, yeah, I mean, I love any of the frost flavors, and I love... Any and I'm I'm a big lemon lime guy. So if it's not lemon lime, it's the you know glacier freeze. It's the purple frost. It's the blue frost. Any of those flavors, I switch it up. I don't go with one flavor every time. And second follow up because this is behind the curtain a little bit that people don't know about you, but you like to put a little bit of water in your Gatorade. I do. What do you do on a road trip? Do you buy water with it? Uh, sometimes I do. Yes, sometimes I'll have like my Yeti with You're me, which I will refill with water at the hotel or wherever I'm staying. I'll have water in it, so I'll take this first sip of Gatorade, aloe water to it, shake it up, gives you more fluid, more water, which is always good, and it's not so sweet. Because I used to be a G2 guy, but you guys talked me out of that. It's garbage. tastes tastes like medicine. It's syrup. So I go to full Gatorade now, just a little touch of water. So that's a good point, DC. I'm glad you asked that. Number four on my list, Honey Barbecue Frito Twist. This list is trash. Absolutely (laughs) wonderful snack. They are one of the best chips on earth. And the funny thing is, I don't eat a lot of them when I'm at home. Like, I don't, when I'm at the store and I'm buying chips, I don't buy those a lot because they come in, like, the smaller bag, the, like, more compact bag. But on road trips, I absolutely love them. The little twist, you pop about six, seven of those in at a time. Absolutely wonderful <laughs> snack. I mean, those, you just open. I know you're going to ask how I eat those. You just open the entire thing, put it in the cup holder, you reach in, boom, the Fritos in your mouth. Number three, Fritos Reese's in your mouth. peanut butter cups. Finally, one, something we agree one on. One of the most wonderful chocolate snacks you can ever have in your life. I love Reese's peanut butter cups. I love the normal Reese's peanut butter cups. I love the holiday Reese's peanut butter cups. I love the Easter Reese's peanut Any type of Reese's peanut butter cup you want to give me, I will inhale. Yes, Jerome. There is one kind of Reese's peanut butter cup that is better than all the rest. It is a holiday version. Do you agree with me that pumpkin Reese's tastes different and better than any other brand of Reese's peanut I butter cup? I definitely do. They, they're like a little more soft and moist yes. in your mouth. Correct. They're absolutely exceptional. We get them. My wife gets them for me all the time. I have, in fact, some in my house. Uh, then maybe I've probably finished the Halloween ones, but we do have the uh, the Christmas theme ones. They're like stockings, Christmas those, trees, Christmas tree stockings. There, yeah, they're like they had. There was Christmas trees, but there was like a stocking shaped one too. Very good, soft. Or a J candy. for Johnson. It could have been a J. Yeah, maybe. But Reese's number three on my list. Moving to number two, when it's beef jerky. You guys know how much I love beef jerky. <laughs> A wonderful snack. I this usually is so stupid. What's great with me on road trips is I usually bring a lot of my snacks before even stopping at a gas station. For example, this weekend I hit up Costco. I have a you know a a, a lot of jerky, individual 
packs of jerky, so I grabbed about four or five of those, threw it in a bag with some Gatorades, brought them in the car, enjoyed a couple of those on the way to Iowa City, enjoyed a couple more on the way home. Beef jerky, it's a, it's a decently healthy snack too. It's got a lot of sodium, I know that, but compared to a lot of other things, it's a pretty good protein, very good healthy snack. Beef jerky is my number two. Number one on my list are combos. Can I guess? Oh, damn it. Sorry, bro. It's They're combos, and I, I absolutely love combos. My two favorite flavors are cheddar and pizza, followed by nacho cheese. Any of those three are wonderful four-road trip snacks. Combos are my number one. I can eat an entire bag of con- combos in probably about half an hour. Just throw them in your mouth. They're so wonderful. Combos number one on the list. So, champ, your whole list. You said you pr- sometimes you pre-purchase your snacks before road trips. I do. When you do that, are you buying a little bit of el- this full list? No. So usually when I stop at a gas station, it's for like a combo Skittle combo or like a combo Reese's combo, and I'll have like the Gatorades pre-packed and like a little jerky pre-packed. But yeah, when I a lot of times when I stop at a, like an actual rest stop or a gas station, it's only getting a couple more of these items, and I have pre-packed some of those items. So you're still getting all of them if you're if you're pre-buying and stopping. I, I mean, on most road trips, I don't consume all six of these things. That would be <laughs> ridiculous, unless it's like a cross-country road trip. Then definitely all six of these things will be consumed. It's usually I would say two to three, maybe four of these items are eaten on a typical, let's say, you know, Iowa City from Chicago is about a three and a half hour drive. I think on the way there, I had like a Gatorade. Uh, I actually got had some donuts on this trip, like Gatorade <laughs> donut. Not and, on your uh, list. And I think I had a, re, uh, a nice little pack of jerky as well. And then on the way home, I think I stopped, got some combos to go with the jerky Gatorade again. So yeah, it's about three or four on a typical uh, three to four hour drive. But pretty much, let's say one snack item per hour and a half of driving. That's a pretty good ratio. This is fascinating. Jared, do you, I'm not going to ask for your full list unless you can do it very quickly, but does any of Champs overlap with yours? Um, the Reese's thing we agree on definitely. Sometimes I even like to switch it up and I'll get a Reese's fast break to throw in there because I think those are wonderful. That counts as a Reese's. It's in the Reese's family. Correct. So, so I agree there. It's another wonderful snack. Champ added in some things that I wouldn't do, but I'm a big gummy guy on road trips. So, like, for me, a Twizzlers pull and peel, 100% big time road trip too type snack. Too much work if you're driving the pull and peel. There's nine different things that way No, too much here's work. the secret, Unless Champ. You, you just bite into it. No, well, you take it and you take little bites out of it, and then you peel it apart with, like, your tongue and your teeth. Uh, it's like the cherry stem like you used to do back in elementary school. So Twiz- <laughs> Twizzlers, I'm a big fan of Starburst or Mambas. Mambas preferably more so lately just because I'm a grown-up. Mambas so, are good. Again, that's a good that's But a the good issue call. you run into that is the same with the Skittles. It's a two-handed operation. No, that, absolutely not. That's you why take the I didn't one- put Starburst or Mambas on my list because when you're driving, it's hard to peel them apart and no eat them shot. individually. No shot. Easy. You take, you hold it in your hand, you flip off the piece of the corner, and then you work it with the finger, or you pop it in your mouth again with the wrapper on, and you no, slide that's it gross. out. gross. Those dirty wrappers, and then you then you take it out of your mouth, and it's like all wet, and then what do you do with it? No, You crumple it up, and you throw it in the cup holder like gross. you do anything else. It's gross. So I will say, as I was talking, we were talking about the 
I was talking to my wife that we were doing this segment this week, and she goes, Starburst, easily, you get the ones that are already pre, pre-unpeeled. Those suck. Not yeah, the same. They don't taste the same. They're First of all, they're smaller. They they're are smaller. They're definitely smaller, and sometimes you get a bad batch. They don't have the same fruitiness as the regular Starburst. They're like, they're like plasticky almost. Yeah, they're like very, no, you're yeah, right. you're right, Jerome. They're like a little, they have like a little stickiness. I don't like them. But if you want, to, if you want that without the work involved to it, it's another option. Another it is, that's true. Or you just be a grown-up. You put your knee on the wheel to go straight and you crack a couple we're open. Not, no, no, no. We are a safety-first podcast. Yeah, we're not, not advertising not. driving with your knee. Bro. I could that's do a full good. turn with my knee at this point. So I Which think one I, of us ended up, ended up placing the other way in traffic in a snowstorm when they were driving? Not driving that was during a snowstorm and it wasn't my fault. Just saying, you should be more. You should be more cognizant of being safety first. Yep, exactly. I put my get better on. snacks. Any other list? Do you see what you got on here? You got any good ones on yours that I didn't mention? Uh, I have a co- with Jar on the Twizzler thing. I kind of like the fruity, chewy thing. I also have Mike and Ike's, but Ooh, I will. Uh, go ahead, I will sorry. commend Champ on your and your kind of. You have a good mix of salty and sweet going on here. That's what you so got to do. You got to have a good mix. You can't just go all you know chips or. All candy. You gotta have a good combo mix right there. And I have to say, I have like peanut butter filled pretzels. I got trail mix. I got Ooh. Twizzlers, and I got Mike and Ike's and my four. I didn't like to do a full six because that's your thing, champ. But those are kind of my go-to road trip or or airport snacks when I'm sitting in the airport. I the peanut butter pretzels is a very good call. I have an entire uh, thing of those in my house right now. Big old Costco purchase. Those are great. One thing that just came to my mind on every road trip when I was in the Midwest, I would always stop and get Culver's cheese curds on the way onto the road. Those uh, are a great start to a road trip. That's not a snack, though, because you have to get a cheeseburger with no, Culver's. No, you just get the big bag just of curds. Get a big thing of cheese curds. I we did that on the way to Wisconsin to for 4th of July. I have not gotten a full meal, like an actual burger, uh, cheese curd combo. So, a great call on Culver's, but that's for another list for another day. Road trip, road trip pit stops. Yes, sir. Who I might already have that. It could have been in my notebook that I've come up with already when you guys told me about this segment. I rattled off a shitload of lists in my head. That's what we call a tease, folks. I have no idea this was going to take 15 minutes, but I'm glad it did. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll get back to some Iowa sports talk. We'll be right back. We are back. We just finished the inaugural top six for the People's Champ. Top six road trip snacks. Let's bring this back to Iowa sports, specifically Iowa basketball, and specifically something that I noticed and want to talk about a little bit this week. It comes in the past two games in the bench production or lack of bench production from the men's basketball team the past two weeks. They have scored the past two games. They scored 48 points in the last two games. That's 29% of the total points scored by the Iowa men's team. And so a lot of people are saying that's going to be the Achilles heel for this team the rest of the way. It's going to be a reason why they they falter at the end of the year. Tom. So my question is, is this really worth stressing out over? Jerry, I'll kick it off with you because you already seem to have some thoughts. No, it's not. Basketball is a game about superstars. 
Champ, I know you agree 1,000%. DC, I know you do as well. You brought up the Bulls earlier. There's one big reason why the Bulls could never get it done when they had Derrick Rose. They only had one. They could never find that second star. Right now, Iowa currently has Luka Garza, C.J. Frederick, and Wieskamp. And on top of that, they have a guard, a point guard, in Connor McCaffrey, who is starting to creep up towards them. He's playing at a higher level because those guys are playing at such a high level. So, no, I don't think this matters. I think a smaller lineup, especially for Fran McCaffrey, is the best-case scenario. And the stats prove that out. So I did a little digging. And I went to Ken Palm, and I looked into the percentage of minutes accumulated by the bench by Iowa the past five years, including this year. And I also found what their final Ken Palm rank was in those years. The years 2017, 2018, they were top 30 in the country in percentage of minutes coming from their bench, 11th and 27th respectively in 2017, 2018. They finished... In outside the top 70 in the final Ken Palm rankings. Well, this year, they're 219th in percentage of bench minutes. They're 17th ranked in Ken Palm. 2016, they were 271st in bench minutes, and they were 23rd in Ken Palm. Last year, they were 129th, they were 30, and then 7, 37th in Ken Palm. So, champ, are those stats, are we right? Should we just ignore, ignore the lack of bench production? Do you know what having a good bench means? It means your starters are not that good, and that is proven within those stats. In 2016 and 2017, Iowa starters were not very good, and that's why they didn't make the tournament either of those two seasons. This year, they're not playing their bench a lot because they have five legit starting players that are quality players, with three of those five being better better than most starters in all of college basketball. I don't think it matters at all that the bench isn't scoring. I, in fact, like that the bench isn't scoring because in these tournament games, when you have another, I think it's 45 seconds for every timeout more than you do during uh, the regular season play. I think it's a minute and 45 seconds for a timeout during regular season play. I think it's two and a half minutes for tournament time. You are going to get plenty of rest with your under 16, with your under 12, with your under 8, and your under 4 timeouts. Those are four built-in timeouts during the game, and that's not to mention the five or six timeouts each team has to use within that game. These guys are going to get plenty of rest within the tournament. They should all be playing between 35 and 40 minutes, the big three, and you could throw Connor in there as well because we know Connor is a great distributor, and he's hitting – making big shots, playing good defense. So those top four guys, Wheezy, CJ, Garza, and Connor McCaffrey, should all be averaging at least 35 minutes a game in the NCAA and Big Ten tournament. So the bench should not matter at all. And I think that to go to your point, it's not even bench production, just bench minutes. The fact that you're just not getting minutes out of your bench isn't a bad thing. Making these guys play in championship, that point, I didn't even realize that. That's such a great point on the, in the tournament, how timeouts are a little bit longer, you get a little bit of extra rest. A shorter bench makes so much more sense to this team moving forward and just a little bit more evidence behind why not having a very deep bench isn't very important. The last five national champions in college basketball, Virginia, Villanova, North Carolina, Villanova again, and Duke going back to 2015, the only team that was ranked in the top 100 in, in ter- terms of bench minutes was North Carolina in 2017. They were 69th. Nice. The other, other four teams, <laughs> they were 200 or worse. It goes to show you, you don't need a deep bench 
to actually make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. So people saying that the bench scoring, the lack of bench production, yes, if Luca Garza gets in foul trouble, that they have nowhere to turn to, if Luca Garza is just not being able to produce, they're in trouble anyway. I mean, they were absolutely hammering Nebraska. And I looked up at the scoreboard midway through the second half, and Iowa did not have one bench point. So that should tell you enough of what they were up 25 to 30 points and had not gotten a bench point yet, and it didn't seem to affect them at all. So all these people that are complaining about the lack of depth and they don't have a bench, let me tell you guys something. If Luca Garza gets into foul trouble in the tournament and has to miss significant time in a game, we're probably not going to win that game. It's not going to matter if our bench comes in and plays well. Luca's the heart and soul of this team, and when he is fucking rolling, it's not going to matter about our bench. Well said by the people, Champ. Jer, how would you – so we're saying bent the bench doesn't matter, but how would you structure substitution patterns the rest of the way, especially now coming to Thursday's game with Cordell Pemsel being suspended for the game? How are you looking to mix and match these lineups the rest of the way? I mean, it's it's kind of the way he's been doing it. The first guy off the bench is for Kreener. Uh, to come out, and that's probably for, I don't know if he's starting Bakari Evelyn, if you're starting Toussaint, be probably taking one of those two guys out, or it's for Luca Garza to get his first rest. What the most important thing is, outside of the rotation in and of itself, is that Fran needs to stop benching all three of his top performers at the same time. I know he knows this, and maybe he gets caught up in these games and he doesn't realize it, but there's no way that two of these guys should be on the bench at the same time. You need to substitute them better. You have guys that are able to do that. You can move guys around. Bakari, Evelyn, Toussaint, you play weird lineups for a couple minutes just to make sure that one guy is getting a rest. But for Iowa to be legit, a legitimate contender in the Big Ten tournament, which is, for me, the one thing that I want them to actually accomplish this year more so than anything else, I want them to make some noise in the Big Ten tournament, they need to have Wieskamp, CJ, and Luca, two of the three, always playing. I totally agree. Been harping on that for for a few weeks now because it's there's no reason why only one of those three should be on the court. They should have two out at all times, staggering them, and then down the stretch they all need to be in there. Yep. They should play two guys off of their entire bench when the games are meaningful, and and it's one of them is Ryan Creener because he provides you something. He's struggled the last few games. I understand that. But for the most part, he provides you something off the bench. And Bakari Evelyn can get you, you know, 10 minutes, 10 solid minutes, you would hope. But those are the only two guys I think should be in the rotation when it's meaningful. Unless Luca Garza gets into major foul trouble, then you can include Corel Pemsel, sorry ass. He could come in and play five minutes if he's not driving without a license. If one of those things happen, then Pemsel can come in and play. I'm very much looking forward to the game against Indiana and not having to see his sorry ass on the court. Can I make a kind of controversial controversial statement? Sure. sure. I'd rather have Cordell Pemsel play than Bakari Evelyn at this point. I don't think you're wrong. I think I've seen a little bit more confidence coming out of Pemsel's game recently. And Correct. I kind of like that. And Bakari Evelyn just he looks lost. The only reason that Bakari Evelyn, to me, is over Pemzel is because he's a backcourt player, and you're not obviously not going to play Pemzel and Creener and Garza at the same time. So they you're going to need. They have. It <laughs> hasn't worked very well. So you're going to need to have a guy to you know give some rest to to the you know backcourt type players if Toussaint's struggling. 
Bakari hasn't looked good. We know that. He's a senior, though, so you'd think hopefully he can make some adjustments when it comes time to uh, Big Ten and tournament play. I don't think that's happening. I don't either, but <laughs> give him 10 minutes. I'm not saying play him 30. Give him 10 minutes and have him play some defense and pass the ball. It, and to me, the the biggest thing with all these point guards is the only guy who can get Luca Garza the ball and, and down the post is Connor McCaffrey. Everybody else struggles to throw an entry pass and down in the block. Cordell's been okay. He's been fine. He's got a little bit more confidence. He's got a little bit more of a shimmy. I, he, that confidence of not pl- of driving without a license must be carrying over to the court a little but bit. But he was driving with his student ID, which is very <laughs> responsible. Where was he driving to, though? McDonald's. That's not a good sign. <laughs> Stay the fuck away from McDonald's, Pemzel. Maybe he was getting a parfait. Maybe that was his road snack. Yeah, I'm sure he was getting a parfait. (laughs) He was probably getting four double cheeses and two large fries. (laughs) And a Gatorade, because you can't go on a road trip without a Gatorade. And a chocolate milkshake to, you know, finish it off. Shamrock shake? All right, guys, let's go Big Ten as a whole here to wrap the show up this week. The current top four, if the Big Ten tournament were to start on Wednesday as we record this, going into today, your top four seeds, Maryland would be your number one seed, Penn State would be your number two seed, Michigan State your three seed, and Iowa would be your fourth seed. Is that going to be the final top four, or who will be the top four seeds in the Big Ten tournament? And tell me why champ go. All right, my top four, I'll go into each after I name the top four. I think Penn State is going to be your number one seed. Maryland is going to be your number two. Michigan State, your number three. And Iowa, your number four seed. I think Penn State finishes 15-5. and five. Uh, They beat Northwestern, Illinois, Indiana, Rutgers, and Michigan State. And I think their only loss to close out this season is against Iowa. So I have them at 15 and 5. I think Maryland goes 14 and 6 uh, with wins against Northwestern, Minnesota, Michigan State, and Michigan. Their only losses are their three road games at Michigan State, Ohio State, and Rutgers. And I think Michigan State and Iowa both finish 13 and 7. But Michigan State gets the tiebreaker because they beat Iowa head-to-head in their only matchup this year. That's why I have Michigan State as the three and Iowa as your four seed. I, it's hard to disagree with that. Uh, Jared, what's your top four going to be? Yeah, champ, you kind of swayed me a little bit there. Penn State has a good opportunity. They have to play Northwestern twice. They Very have to play, favorable schedule to close they, out the year. Well, and they if they win, they, if they continue to win, like they're going to make it up there. I, Maryland, I, I just still don't believe in Maryland. I know that they've only got four losses, but they're the most confusing team in the Big Ten that I've watched this year. So Penn State playing Northwestern twice. They play Illinois um again as well and i think they have michigan state on the on that schedule at home um yep. and that that home crowd's been raucous lately so yeah i i kind of think i can see penn state doing this so penn, i'm gonna go penn state i'm gonna go maryland i'm gonna go michigan state and then i have iowa and illinois dogging it out but i think iowa wins against illinois to end the season to uh to get that four seed locked up I mean, yeah, you guys, that Penn State thing, their schedule is just so favorable down the stretch for them to uh, to get that one seed. It's hard not to see them doing it. I'm with you on Champ on that one. I think Maryland, again, frustrating. I think they're favoring out. Michigan State is Michigan State. And I just do think I think the injuries for Illinois right now, and, and I think Iowa can take over that four seed and have that four seed going into Indianapolis. That would be huge. We've talked about it multiple times to get that double buy, to automatically 
be playing, you know, on that Friday and then going into the weekend, that would be huge for Iowa. Absolutely. All right, guys, anything else to touch on before we wrap the show this week? Jerry, you want to make any bold predictions for the Indiana game, and then I'll make one, and you could scream at me and call me a moron like you did last week or no? I never screamed at you, first <laughs> off. And, and, told, I, and told our fans to light up my Twitter feed when Iowa beats Purdue. We don't want to make any of those ridiculous hey, our, uh, statements. Our boy John Singer called me out, and I deserved it, all right? I, he did, I, yeah, that was a good call out by Mr. Singer. I appreciated that. I, I think we all think they're going to beat Indiana, though, so I, I don't think we are all in, in disagreement. I think we all would love a split. I think in, if we could split with Indiana and, and Minnesota with these last two games, I think we all would be fine with that. Obviously, going 2-0 and would be wonderful, but I think we would all take a split. Absolutely. I mean, Jerry, are you opposed to a split? I'm not opposed to a split. Of course not, but I... It's the road. It's going on the road in the Big Ten. Like, this is going to be... It's going to be difficult. Yeah, and but they had a nice long break to recoup the short... Uh, Listen, 100%. Now, we're, the Iowa's playing with house money right now, guys. So all of you guys, if, if, if Indiana comes out tonight and lights us up, just like Purdue did, the sky is not falling. Fran isn't going anywhere. These players aren't giving up. They're not too tired. Just R-E-L-A-X. Relax. This team's playing with house money. Nobody expected them to be exactly where they are right now. Not you, not me, not Champ, not DC, not anybody. So fucking calm down. It's just regular Aaron Rodgers over here. <laughs> yep. On that note, guys. I got cheese curds on the mind. <laughs> on that note, guys, make sure you're subscribing to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. And we can all subscribe. be friends. Follow us on Twitter at BHGP, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin, and at Dave Cray. We'll talk to you guys again next week with a new Champs Pick 6. Let us know what you guys want us to rank. Maybe we'll incorporate some fan feedback into it as well. For Champ, for Jer, I'm DC. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Combos. Gatorade's not a snack. Yes, it is. It's <laughs> hydration. Beef jerky on the road. I love beef jerky. It's so wonderful. I love beef jerky too, but I would never want to just like gnaw on beef jerky because then your hands smell like beef jerky. Right. I like it as a snack when I'm looking to like to have something relatively healthy at home. Correct. It's or so like good. I'm sitting I, at the office. Most instead of days eating a candy where I drive bar. to work, I eat beef jerky in my car on the way to work. It's just it's bizarre. All right, Damn. so leave that in. Hoops. I, I'll leave all that in. <laughs> That's fine. I'll put it. I'll move it to the end. Trick or treat, Iowa City! If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.